Hey there, I'm so pumped to tell you about an amazing new community I've launched called Grief to Growth Circle Community. It's a space for people who are grieving to come together to support each other and for people who want to know who we are, why we're here, where we're going to have those conversations, all the things we talk about on the podcast. So I invite you to join me at grieftogrowth.com slash community to become part of this compassionate crew. The best part is 100% free. And you have access to me in addition to everybody else in the community. In fact, the podcast will be there so you can talk about the things we talk about in the podcast right there in the community. There's also some premium content if you want to go deeper in the work I'm doing, but mostly it's about building relationships and community and about sharing resources and supporting each other. So come on over and check it out. It's grieftogrowth.com slash community. I'll see you inside. Hi there. Welcome to the Grief to Growth podcast. Your host is Brian Smith, spiritual seeker, grief survivor, and life coach. Brian believes that the worst tragedies of life provide the greatest opportunity for growth. Brian says he was planted, not buried, and he's here to help you grow where you've been planted. In each episode, Brian and his guests will share what has helped them to survive and thrive. His sincere hope is that this episode helps you today. And now, a brief word from our sponsor. When I decided I was going to do a podcast, I knew there were more moving parts than most people expect. How do you record a podcast? Where do you host it? How much will it cost? Do I need special software? How do I distribute it? All these questions were in my mind. I was all set to go with another podcast hosting company. Then I heard about Anchor. I believe that Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. Anchor gives you everything you need in one place. You can use it right from your phone or from your computer. Anchor is not only free, you can even make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. Anchor's creation tools allow you to record and edit your podcast so it sounds great. They'll even distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard everywhere. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and many more. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor, A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M as in FM radio. And now back to our episode. Hey everybody, today's episode is with Diana Bloom. I met Diana recently when a friend of hers who had heard my podcast asked her to reach out to me to tell me about her album, Beautiful Sad Grief, which she wrote after her husband passed away. And it's a beautiful album, as the title suggests. It's a very sad album, as the title suggests. But it's also a hopeful album, as she talks about how we can grow through grief. So she reached out to me, and I thought she'd be a perfect guest for the podcast. We had a great conversation. So listen to the conversation, and make sure you stay around to the end, because Diana has allowed me to include one of her songs at the end of the podcast. Hey everybody, this is Brian Smith, your host of Grief to Growth, and I'm back today with another episode. And today I've got with me Diana Bloom. Uh, Diana and I met, I think, on Facebook, and uh, we're going to talk about her experience. I'm going to read her introduction here. She experienced the death of her spouse at the age of 37, which was now 17 years ago. Her husband was diagnosed with lung cancer and was gone in 111 days. Um, Diana was left behind with a broken heart and three teenage sons who struggled through adolescence without a father. Before her husband left, he told her he would help her from the other side. His words were true. He's been guiding her through his, 
throughout his physical absence through signs and synchronicities. Diana says that the loss and love and loss of her husband has been a journey of finding and loving herself. She believes that grief lasts a lifetime. It's a process developing a new kind of relationship to the departed, a soul-to-soul connection. Diana has learned through the years that grief is like the ocean tides. It ebbs and flows, and it comes and goes. It's sometimes rough and hard, sometimes rough and hard and high, other times gentle and soft and low. But it always comes in and always goes out, and what remains is love. Diana's most prestigious role in life has been a wife to Mark and a mother to her now three grown sons. She, owns, she holds a 200-hour certification in Hatha Yoga, 300-hour yoga therapy certificate, as well as a trauma-informed brain sensitivity training. And Diana has written and recorded five songs around a grief-loss theme. It's titled Beautiful Sad. And she says, sad is beautiful because it means we have loved and lost, but we have loved. And Diana hopes the music will find its way to those needing comfort from the loss of a loved one and to consider the possibility that those departed from our physical presence aren't gone. They've only gone ahead of us. And I can say that I've listened to, I bought Diana's uh, EP and I've listened to it and it is absolutely beautiful. Uh, And it's available at beautifulsadgrief.com. So with that, I want to welcome Diana Bloom. Thank you so much, Brian. Glad to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. And I really want to uh, talk about your story and what led you to writing the song uh, or the, to writing the, the EP or the album. Um, mm-hmm. I can say that after the loss of my daughter, I've always, music has always been really, really important in my life. And after the loss of my daughter, I found that music really helped me to, to get through it, listening to people that had gone through similar things. So um, talk about you know, your, the loss of your husband and your grief journey since then. Sure. Uh, I love talking about him. I, I was just telling a friend today, I sure hope someone's talking about me 17 years after I'm gone. Yeah. And so, yeah, he was a rock in my life. He was um, my first boyfriend. We met in high school and um, fell in love and got married and had a family. And uh, he really was the banks of my river, you know, mm. so I could flow. He just... In so many ways, he was, um, you know, it was lover, friend, father, nurturing, you know, that nurturing presence, and then the co-parent to our children. And when he was diagnosed, man, it was um, like a lightning bolt struck, you know, and um, he was gone so fast. Um, But what a journey you know, to um, love like that, you know, to love yeah. like that, that all these years later, it's still with me. Yeah. 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 Um, I'm sorry. I don't remember exactly the question you asked me well, so to talk about. We're just talk about your, your journey since then. I know the diagnosis, obviously uh, he was a young man at the time. So it must've mm-hmm. taken you, you know, taking you quite a bit of back. You said you had three young sons. So. They were 12, 14 and 16. Yeah. Um, we, we were very strong Christians involved in our church. And in this whole time of his sickness, we prayed for his healing. Yeah. And we believed it. In fact, there was a moment uh, about a week before Mark left that I finally went to my boys and said, you know, I don't, dad's not going to make it. And my middle son, Aaron said, 
God can still heal him. And if, if um, that's not faith, you know, I don't know what is, you know. So um, we lived in this illusion of um, God being like a magician and answering our prayer and giving us what we wanted. And Mark said um, at one point, he opened his eyes and said, you guys don't understand the healing. Hmm. So he didn't get cured, but um, I know there was a lot of healing for his soul oh, okay. as he went through the cancer journey. Yeah. So it's been a wild, messy, beautiful uh, 17 years. Yeah. Uh, you know, the things that you think you never would have done, and then you're, ex- you're faced with this extreme pain. Uh, it's like you're not even yourself anymore. That's my experience anyway. I, I, I had a lot of messy years Yeah. <laughs> that were what they needed to be to get me to where I am today. So, so how did your faith, um, how did your faith come through the, the passing of your husband? You said you, you prayed mm-hmm. for his healing and, and you didn't get physical healing. So how did that affect you and, and your boys? Uh, that's, that's a great question. We, we lost our faith ultimately um, in the God that we thought we knew, right? Yeah, right. The fundamentalist Christian God that, I mean, it was perfect for us until it wasn't. Right. Uh, uh, our life was spent in the church. Um, I was a music um, worship leader and Mark was a drummer. So we shared that music together. Mm-hmm. We were there Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That was what our family knew. That was our social outlet. I stayed in the church for about three years after he died. And this was the church that he was raised in as well. Um, And then I just came to a point where I didn't feel any comfort or healing. Not because anyone was doing anything wrong. At the time, I thought they were, of course. Um, But everyone stopped talking about him. Yeah. It's like, oh, well, he's in heaven now, and we buried him. And, you know, this is the package that it comes in, and it's all okay, right? Yeah. And it wasn't. And so I ultimately left the church in the small town where we were both raised. And, um, yeah, it got kind of messy. Yeah. yeah, I think that's, um, you know, like you said, that that type of faith in that, Santa Claus kind of God is as great as fine until it isn't right. Until, until something like this really happens. And then we question, you know, why did God, you know, let him die? Why didn't God heal him? Um, and it puts, it, it does, it kind of sets us on a whole new faith journey in a lot of, a lot of cases. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hey there, I'm testing out a new feature. I'd love to get your feedback on it. It's called Fan Mail, and you can send me a message right from the show notes of the podcast. So look for the link that says, send me a text. You can ask a question for a future podcast. You can suggest a guest or just give me any feedback you want. Just remember, it is one way I can't text you back, and I will not have your name, your email address, or your phone number unless you include it in the message. Let me know what you think. Yes, we followed this prescription, right? Um, 
if you have the elders of the church come and anoint the sick with oil, they'll be healed. Mm -hmm. If you have faith as big as a mustard seed, and we had all of it, we did it all right. Right, right. <laughs> and he still died. And um, I, I began to say, my pain is bigger than the God that I think I understand and know, the God that I worship. It just couldn't hold the pain. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was too too small, too limited, which then, of course, has put me on this journey of yoga and meditation and exploring all other kinds of religions, you know, just opening Yeah. instead of being so narrow. Right. And like I said, no one did anything wrong. I just grew out of that place. Mm-hmm. So did you get into the yoga because you're obviously very, very much into yoga with your hatha mm. certification, et cetera. So did you get, was that after, uh, after Mark passed? Yeah. Many years after it, okay. was, it wasn't until nine years after his passing that I, I went to my first yoga class hmm. and I think back, Oh, what if I had had yoga then, you know, it could have helped so much. And, but I also know it's perfect how it was. Yeah. I, it found me and I found it when I found it. Um, yoga for me was evil, mm -hmm. scary, because that's what I was taught. Yes. I think since then, um, the fundamentalist church has maybe widened their view on, on yoga, but man, I, it was evil then, you know? So I think that's probably why it took me so long to get to it, you know, letting go of the old beliefs. Yeah, I when I was doing yoga back back when I was going to church, um, an evangelical church. I remember one of my wife's friends saying, "Well, yoga is evil. You're opening up you're opening up your mind, and you don't know what might come in." I would go to yoga class after church, and I thought it was like <laughs> a continuation of kind of my worship experience. And I thought, why do you think that bad things are going to come into my mind when I open my mind? Why why wouldn't good things come into my mind? I I never really mm -hmm. understood that, but. Yeah, I think the church, a lot of the fundamentalist church still does frown on things like yoga. Anything that's outside of their prescription of how we're supposed to reach out spiritually. And how we're supposed to grieve. I mean, I had people say, with their husband sitting next to them, telling me, don't make any big decisions for a year. It takes two years to grieve. And I was just like, how do you know? Yeah. And here's the mystery about grief. My sister was widowed, uh, I think, six years after me. Completely different experiences. Mm -hmm. The way we expressed our grief, the way we moved through it. And I just come to believe there's no wrong or right way to do it. It's just the way we do it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I, I noticed you said you, in the intro that you gave me that you believe that the grief journey lasts a lifetime. Um, yeah. Because a lot of times people will say, well, how long am I going to be in grief? And when am I going to get over it? And when am I going to be able to, to move on? Um, so what are, your, what are your beliefs about that? Well, it does get better. Yeah. <laughs> I have joy uh, today. To a degree, I've never had joy. Um, I think it's because of the depth of sorrow it has allowed me to go into it a greater, deeper joy. Um, I believe that it, it comes up. I mean, I, I've had two sons that have 
had marriages that he wasn't there for. It, I don't live in it quite as uh, deeply and as long, but I have the moment, you know, arise like of, of a little hint of sadness. Mm-hmm. But mostly grief for me has been integrated and metabolized into my daily life, into my body, into my heart. Like it's here uh, with the joy. I don't know if that makes sense, if I'm making sense or just rambling. But Yeah, you're definitely making sense, yeah. I, I just, I don't think we can put a limit or a linear uh, timeline on it, you know. And here's the irony. I was thinking about this the other day. The further time that's passed since he left, the closer and nearer he is to me. Because hmm. hmm. I'm now like developed a relationship with his soul. Mm-hmm. You know, you accept that the body's gone over whatever period of time it takes. Yeah. And um, I mean, early on, I slept. That's how I coped. I got my kids ready for school, came back home, and I went to bed. Yeah. And then I got up and did what I needed to do. You know, it was like I was just a walking zombie. Mm-hmm. But this isn't true for everyone. You know, it's, it's just my experience, which is true for me. And so uh, this journey has just given me a greater compassion. Yeah, those early stages. Oops. Those early stages, um, you know, they're different for everybody. Um, And and when I was writing in my Mm -hmm. book, and I I talked to so many people, uh, you know, some people can't sleep at all. uh, And some people, all they want to do, um, some people don't eat at all. And some people, all they want, all they do is they want to eat. So it's different for everybody. And and that's okay. Um, Just just go through it, you know, however, you know, it, it comes to you. But I do believe that um, while I don't believe we get over, as you said, it does get better. We, we learn to integrate it into our lives. We learn, we learn to carry that, that yeah. weight with us. And while the weight doesn't get any lighter, I think we actually get stronger um, by, by carrying mm. it. And I think, uh, as you said, one of the keys is developing that ongoing relationship, which, you know, again, for a lot of times in the, in the churches that, you know, we were part of, they're like, well, they're gone. They're, they're in heaven. You'll see them again when you die, but you really can't have a relationship with them right now. Yeah. Um, I, I remember early on talking to my pastor about that because there's, I think there's a scripture somewhere that talks about, you know, not talking to the dead or mm-hmm. maybe just a, a, a training, a learning. Uh, I talk to the dead a lot. <laughs> I've been talking to Mark since he left. Yeah. He said he'd help me. So he was this man of a few words, but true words. Like he, he wouldn't have left me with a false hope. Mm-hmm. And so he must have had some like in some vision into where he was going as he was fading from his body. Yeah. To be able to tell me that. Yeah. Yeah, I, it's I just think, such a nugget of gold for me to hold on to. Yeah, as people get closer, especially in, in a prolonged illness type of situation when they know they're transitioning, it seems like a lot of times things start to open up to them. Um, and I've talked to people that are hospice workers or people that work with people that are that are dying, and they'll say a lot of times they'll start to, you know, they start to get insights and they kind of get a feeling they know where they're going and they're 
they'll say, hey, I'm going to be here. So you said he, he was telling you that he was looking to leave you signs and synchronicities, and you've had some of those. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm really excited to tell you about my latest ebook. It's four lessons that you can learn from the near-death experience without going through all the trouble of dying to learn them. I've been studying NDEs for several years now. I am completely convinced that not only are they 100% real, but that there's some very universal wisdom that we can get from the near-death experience. And I've distilled that down in this book into four short lessons. And I've also given you all the reasons why I believe the NDEs are absolutely real. So go to www.grieftogrowth.com slash NDE lessons to pick it up for free www.grief2growth.com slash NDE lessons. I hope you enjoy it. He didn't say how he would help, but he opened his eyes one moment towards the end. He was, I mean, he was still clear, but sleeping a lot. And um, he said, I think I have said, I don't know how I'm going to do this without him. I didn't realize he was listening, you know? Mm-hmm. And his parents were there, and he opened his eyes, and he he rolled them, and he said, don't worry, I'll help you from the other side. Hmm. And that didn't really line up with our beliefs. Right. So I said, what in the world are you talking about? And he said, just trust me. So he never really told me how, Mm -hmm. but it first appeared in that first couple months, I'm driving around the small town where we both grew up, and... I see, it's like my eyes were drawn to this curb and it said 54 on it. The number 54 was painted on a curb. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, that was his football number. And that's when they started coming. Like, you know, he, he plays with me in a way, like um, through butterflies. Butterflies are a really big one. Um, through helicopters. Hmm. Uh, he he loved helicopters. That was his dream to fly helicopters. Interesting. Okay. So I just I I just keep looking. Even today, I'm like, I'm what I'm watching and waiting for him to show up. I know you get that because I've I've listened to a little bit of your yeah. journey and your grief and you. Yeah. Where did you get Where did you get this belief in the signs and synchronicities? I think it must have been planted through him saying you would help me. Okay. Um, and I call it a gift of grace so much. I mean, even being where I'm at today, how we heal is so mysterious. I mean, people would say to me, it takes, you know, time. Mm-hmm. And I hated that phrase. Like time equals my person that's gone time equals my, I I didn't get it. Yeah. Um, I think it's just a gift of grace that like I I was able to do yoga. I was able to inquire within. I was able to be so messy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So yeah, it's interesting because um, I talked to so many people that, that have lost loved ones and they'll say, I don't get signs or I don't get synchronicities. And then as, okay. I, as I start talking to them and I start telling them about some of my signs, then they'll say, Oh yeah, well I, I got that. You know, I've got those types of things. Uh-huh. So it's interesting that, that you, you somewhere, you know, maybe just intuitively picked up on, you know, these, these things were actually signs because the signs can be 
subtle. Um, they can easily be dismissed as, as coincidence, you know, usually. Um, and we really, I think, once we open up to them, then it seems like we start getting, you know, even more of them. Um, and I, I get them like constantly now, just like all the time. Uh, and yeah. everything from, like you said, butterflies to finding birds' feathers to, uh, you know, seeing certain numbers over and over again to Shana doing weird things with electro with electronics because <laughs> um, she she loved electronics. I'm messing with my phone or, you know, just all kinds of things like that. Yeah. I have a, a story about um, that I probably was one of the beginning ahas of, oh my God, he's still here. Mm -hmm. It was six months after he had passed. I was working at our church office and uh, my pastor called me in to the office and said, um, I want to talk to you before you go home. I'm like, okay, sure. So I went in there and he's, he said, um, he said this phrase to me, which was out of character for him. He said, um, don't be afraid to be a butterfly. Hmm. And I was like, kind of an odd thing for him to say to me, but I was like, okay, got in my car. Instantly I heard, go home and look for the book that Mark bought you before he was diagnosed. So a week before he was diagnosed, we we're trying to get to the bottom of why he had a tickle in his throat. So he was at an ear, nose and throat specialist in the city. On the way home, he stopped at a, a bookstore and got me a book. Hmm. Of course, he was diagnosed four days later. So the book got shown and forgotten about. Oh, yeah. I got in the car after he said, don't be afraid to be a butterfly. And bam. Go find that book. And I did, and there's butterflies all over it. Oh, wow. Wow. And it's like, that was like so mystical to me. I was like, mm -hmm. how did that happen? I was like, oh, Mark's, wherever he is, he's trying to get my attention. Yeah, yeah. And that's one of those things that, you know, it's a, it's a timing thing. And uh, it, it seems from what I've figured out is like they can put thoughts in our heads um, so people like, you know, why, why is this song playing on the radio at this certain time? Or, you know, why, when I think yeah. this happens or something like that, where, you know, it's just this, the, the thing about that sign, it's all about the timing. It's about what, what he said to you about the thought that came in your head, finding the book. And then it just all kind of ties together. And it's, yeah. it's miraculous the way that works. It is. I think it's also about our readiness yeah. to receive it and openness. Yeah, because they're always there. The signs are always there. Sometimes we might miss them. So it's like what we're paying attention to is what we're seeing. Yeah. So um, it's been 17 years. You said you discovered yoga like 17 or nine years, you said, after, after market passed. So how, how has your grief changed over the years and what, what types of things have helped you? How, and how has yoga helped you? Yeah. Yoga... I was just thinking about this. Without yoga, I don't think I'd feel so good in my body. That I don't think I would trust life as much. Of course, there was other spokes in the wheel. I did an Al-Anon program. I did body talk, uh, which is kind of an energy healing modality, and talk therapy, group therapy. I mean, I've pretty much done whatever I could do to heal. Yeah, yeah. Do you know that quote by Rilke? It says, um, 
it's going to be a paraphrase, but love and death are the two great gifts passed down to us, mm-hmm. mostly that go unopened. Mm-hmm. And I, my journey, my experience has been about like opening this gift of grief. Yeah. It's here, you know, it's here. I might as well. But uh, what yoga has done for me is helped me return to the somatic but to the sensations in the body. Interesting. Okay. So the, the brain wants to resolve things, right? I want to understand why did he die? Well, the brain doesn't really do a great job. It just cycles, circles, trying to resolve. This is my experience. Mm-hmm. The body is where it's stored. And okay. so... Yoga has helped me tremendously just being with the impermanence of the breath, the thought, the sensation. It's all, it's always fluctuating and changing. So I did a 2000, I did a 200 hour training in 2016, which was the setup for it was nine months going to um, the country on a farm with 16 other women. So we practiced together, we ate together, we slept there on the property together. And it was tremendously healing to be in a circle of uh, beautiful, strong, creative women and get to include myself in it. Like there's enough beauty, love, creativity for all of us. So that was the first piece of yoga that really I began to feel some uh, lightness and relief in the body. Mm-hmm. So that's like, that's 14 years, you know, after wow. his death, but it takes what it takes. Yeah. Well, you touched on something there that I think is really important. Um, you know, grief is it's work. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's all consuming. Oops. It's, um, I, I lost you. I'm still here. Uh, I got to find you again. There we go. Let me, uh, turn your video back on. There we go. Mm. I can still hear your videos just turned off. Oh, okay. I don't know how to turn it back on. Uh, I'm sorry. That's right. You the should host be- has asked you to start your video. Oh, there you are. You're back. <laughs> yeah. So it is. It's it's um it's work and it's exhausting and it takes as long as it takes as you said it could be and and it's never really over. So I don't say that to, to discourage people. But what I try to encourage people to do is to lean into it, you know, because I think if you try to avoid it, it's, it's going to, it's coming for you anyway. Uh, <laughs> we can we can do things to avoid it. And I like what you said, you know, about the, the, the gift of, of grief, which sounds so bizarre, you know, but you know, we do have it anyway. So as long as we have it, we might as well figure out, you know, what do we do with it? You know, how do, how do we, yeah. how do we integrate this into our life? And, you know, make ourselves, you know, better people, hopefully. Hmm. So what are your thoughts or what are your beliefs about, like, uh, where Mark is now? Obviously, he's still a part of your life. Uh, how, how does that change from your Christian background? Yeah, well, I really don't know. I know that he lives on um, in an energy form. Uh, feel him 
Mm-hmm. You, you know, I, it's mysterious, right? I, I don't really know. But I also don't really even know what God is. Because if I'm, I know that's a charged word for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of just refer to it as the mystery uh, now. It's like, it's what's animating you and me. And all of us. And all of life. All of nature. So it's, it's much bigger of a perception where Mark is now. Wherever he is, he's not far. Yeah, I like that. Yeah. Yeah. How are, how are your boys doing? They're, they're grown now. Um, how are they doing? After they're that? grown men. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah they've, they've all three opened up to good love. Mm-hmm. which to me is a wonderful sign of healing um, yeah. to watch their mother be left behind. I was really so helpless and lost when Mark died. And there they were with, in a way they lost both parents as they knew him, mm-hmm. yeah. but they're doing well. Um, one's uh, on the coast, one's in near Portland and then, one was in Bend, which is why I moved here, and now they're near Portland again. So, okay. Um, the youngest one um, is a police officer, just like his dad was. Oh wow! So I feel like that's probably its own way of bringing alchemy to the loss of your father when you're 12. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they're all um, good men, kind. Um, Emotionally intelligent. They were left behind with a, a, a mother that shared everything, maybe, maybe too much at times. But they saw that it was okay to cry and talk about it and feel your feelings. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it's definitely instructed uh, and affected all of our lives. We're all different people Absolutely. than we might have been. It's so easy to sometimes to say, like, what if, you know, like imagining Mark being back here with how we are now, but that's not even a possibility. Right. We're yeah. all so changed because of it. Right. Yeah. We, we definitely become different people. And I, and, and again, that's something people say, well, when can, when am I going to get back to the person I was before? And I'm like, I'm sorry, that's not going to happen. You know, you're not going to, you're not going to get back to the person you were before. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, I think it's, it's, it's good to take this and integrate it into our lives and, and use it to, to grow and to become better and, and stronger people. And of course, the, the human part of us would always want to have that person back. I would do anything to have my daughter back. Sure. But if I had her back, I wouldn't be talking to you right now. Um, I don't mean, you know, there's no telling what, what, what would be, you know, happening. So um, I just have to trust that whatever has happened is, is for the best. And, even if that's not the case, I need to bank the best of it, you know? So whatever we're given, we just have to, to play it. Yeah. Hand. And it, it doesn't mean that we bypass the emotions. Right. Exactly. You know, we're sad when we're sad. Yeah. I, I was talking to a friend this morning about survivor's guilt. I don't know how that's been for you. But I, I have really suffered with it. Um, and, and I can see now that even before he died, I had a little bit of guilt around living full and joyfully. Yeah, yeah. Who knows where that comes from, right? 
and maybe our culture and definitely our conditioning, maybe, you know, it's inherited trauma, who knows, but that's a big piece of my healing is, you know, living full, yeah. feeling joy, um, and not feeling guilt about, you know, yeah. feeling happiness when someone died. That's really common. And I, I think that comes from us thinking that they're missing out. Like I'm here and I'm enjoying myself and they're, they're gone. Whereas um, that hasn't been a really an issue for me because I don't, I don't look at Shane as missing out. There is some of that in terms of like, she didn't get to graduate from high school. She didn't get to learn how to drive. She's not going to get married. You know, those, those are things that I'm missing. Um, the way I look at mm. Shana's life is going on. Shana's having a great time. And the interesting thing is, this is a lesson for me that the, the week before Shana passed, she was in Florida on a volleyball trip and she was staying at a resort. She and her volleyball friends, she, Shana was 15. Um, they're, they're having the time of their lives. They're going out to dinner. They're driving around in golf carts in the resort and all this stuff. <laughs> she didn't once call my, myself or her sister who were back here. And so, uh, like her sister said, Shana, don't you feel guilty? you like having such a great time and, and not calling us. She's like, no, I know you're doing okay. So mm. the way I look at Shana right now is <laughs> Shana's having a good time. And Shana is, that's just the way she is. She's, she's having a really good time where she is. So she wants us to, to have a good time here. And right. the, my, her, her sister, Kayla, is three years older. And she obviously, you know, struggled with her sister being gone because she was, Shana was 15, Kayla was 18 when she passed. But we had a medium uh, tell Kayla, Shana told her through, through this medium, she said, don't feel guilty about going on and living your life because I'm with you. And I'm living, you know, vicariously through you. So when you have kids, I'll be there. When you get married, I'll be there. And Shana gives us signs all the time that she's still very involved in our lives. So, hmm. um, I don't have survivor's guilt because like I said, I think, I think Shane is, I don't view her as she didn't cease to exist when she, when she passed. And the good thing for me is I had studied so much of this afterlife stuff before she died because of my fear of death that I knew the moment she passed, she just stepped out of her body and kept going. Wow. What a great shift of the lens to see it through. They're not missing out. Yeah, no, no, not not at all. <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like. I mean, it's it's very common, as you said, in our society. Even if you grow up in, in the church, I mean, you're taught, okay, the dead are asleep, and you know they're asleep, and when when Jesus comes back, then they'll rise from the dead, or whatever that happens. Um, I don't look at it that way anymore. I mean, it's it's just it's a continuation of life, as you said. Mark is he's here mm -hmm. right now, and he's a lot closer than we think. Um, so that's just one thing that I was fortunate. I mean, I have, I've got other issues, right? I'm still sad. Uh, yeah, still, of course. Still, it still sucks, but I don't have that, that part of it that she's missing out. Um, cause I hmm. know, you know, I know how Shana is and I know she's having a great time and she, with, with all the signs and stuff, I know she's still here. Right. Yeah. Thank you for sharing on that. So uh, let's talk about the music. I, I, um, I love the, the album. Um, when did you write it? How long ago did you write it? It was around 2016, okay. same year that I did the yoga training. Okay. So what I've learned about myself and Mark was my music partner. Mm -hmm. He was like buying music equipment, 
setting up a recording studio. We were doing all that when he got sick. Mm. So I think a lot of the music died with, with him. Mm. I was a little bit codependent then. And um, yeah, I think this project is about me saying yes to life, to the music again. Yeah. So still, I'm still here and I still have songs to sing. Yeah. Um, but losing him as a music partner was devastating beyond, you know, partner and co-parent and all that. Yeah. So, um, the title came while I was recording the songs, uh, sharing with my producer, John, and I shared, I don't know which song I shared with him. Maybe you live in me. And when I was done, he's just like, oh, that's so beautiful and so sad. And I was like, that's the title of the project. Yeah. Beautiful, sad. Yeah. And it was so fun to work with him and um, just find my voice again. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been, it's been out for a couple of years, but, you know, I really trust in timing and readiness and it's also a tricky topic in our culture. People don't want to immerse themselves in grief or talk about death. And this is pretty explicit yes. uh, project about death and loss. Yes. So. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because as I was listening to it, um, the summer that Shana passed, I discovered it, it had been out for a while, but there's an album by a group called Evanescence and it was their self-titled album. It wasn't the first album, but um, there's several songs in the album that are, that are about loss. And, and I found out, you know, it's just really weird that sometimes you think when you're going through loss, why do we like to listen to sad music when we're going through this? But <laughs> I think it's just so you, you don't feel alone. You feel like someone else is, is expressing the emotions that you have and, and you do have to process that those emotions. You can't just bury them. So that album, um, just, I listened to it just over and over again. I would just walk and, and mm. the album. And I think the songs that, that you've uh, written for this album are similar that people can say, okay, yeah, this is exactly you know what I'm feeling and can, you know, sing along with it and, and just express those emotions. They have to come through us. Yeah. So I just trust yoga teaches us that, you know, we have a right to our actions, but not the fruit of them. Hmm. So I recorded it. I released it. And, you know, who, who's supposed to find it and hear it will. Yeah. There's no need to course or try to manipulate the process. It just is the process. Yeah. Well, um, it's, it's really you know, generous of you to put it out there for other people to discover and have access to it and to, again, provide them healing, you know, on their journey. Um, I've, I posted it on my Facebook page. I was we're talking about it now. Uh, and you can get it at, at beautifulsadgrief.com. Um, so it's, I think it's, it's a really, uh, it's a great project. And I hope, uh, you know, the people, the right people that, that mm -hmm. will find it. Yeah, I believe that as well. So, um, so where do you go from here? Well, I've written um, 
five songs about life. Okay, cool. <laughs> Instead of about death. Yeah. My brother at 53 uh, adopted a baby. Mm-hmm. And uh, as a solo person. And um, this baby is amazing. His name's Aster. And I went to help my brother when Aster showed up. Mm-hmm. And we wrote some really beautiful songs. So I've been working on those. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, I'm working on a creative project with uh, a friend of mine, Teresa. We're doing some oracle cards, grief decks, um, writing some poetry. So, yeah, there's, this is a really rich, creative uh, time, season of life for me. Yeah, yeah, a lot coming out of this. Interesting. Mm-hmm. So death is an opening, right? It, it can open to creativity. Yeah. Yeah, it can. If, if, we, if we allow it to, and as you said, it takes, it takes some time to process. And though it's not an overnight thing for you, it took several years before you, know, you, you wrote these songs and put out the album and before you discovered yoga and stuff like that. And for myself, um, you know, it took me about four years. Shana, it'll be four, it was four years in June since she passed. And that's about the time I started with the podcast and the book and you know, the, the coaching business I've gotten. So it's, it is a process. It does take time. Uh, well, I try to encourage people when they're going through those first days of it. Cause I remember what it's like. It's like, I'm not going to be able to survive this. And there's no way I'm ever going to be able to feel joy again or to, you know, like I guess I kind of be the person that I was and you won't be the person you were, but you can be, you can still be a productive person. You can still, you know, have a good life. You can still, you can work on that relationship with the person that crossed. And as you said, you know, it sounds like your relationship with Mark is, is still going strong. And it's weird to say that it's getting stronger. But, you know, I, when I think about Shana, um, I think about her every day. I mean, first yeah. thing I wake up in the morning, it's, it's the last thing I think about at night. She's what's driving my whole business. And I think about, like, I probably think about her more now than I would if she was in college, you know, uh, if she was, you know, up the road at Ohio State or something. Um, so in, sure. I think in a sense, we're actually even closer than we were before. Yeah. There's so much irony in it. I, I find it's, um, it's a thing I wouldn't have chosen. Yeah. But it's the thing I wouldn't trade. Yeah. Of course we, we don't want people we love to die, but the truth is everyone's going to die. We're all going to die. Right. And, um, I live with, I live with it every day. And, and I think it's given me more of a perspective on, you know, witnessing, oh, there's a bird. Yeah. Oh, look at the mountain. Just not missing my life so much, being more present for it. Yeah. Yeah. There's something about, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting because um, people that have gone through this, I think we, most of us lose our fear of death, right? We don't, um, I, I had an extreme fear of death at one point. But um, I've completely lost that. Mm-hmm. But it does help us, I think, to just keep in perspective that life is is short, which, you know, and, and it's precious. Um, but for me, it's a matter of like, I will see her again. So I look forward to that. I look, I look forward to seeing her again. Um, it probably won't be anytime real soon. It's all relative. Uh, but, you know, in the scheme of things, if it's even if it's 30, 40 years, that's not that long. Uh, yeah. So we just have to do the best we can, you know, while we're still here and, and uh, you know they're here with us. 
Yeah, I brought a poem that, um, can I read a poem? Absolutely, sure. Do we still have time? Oh, absolutely, yeah. Yeah. So I've been doing this creative project with my friend Teresa, and oftentimes it's in the morning. Um, I'll start off with a text that's the beginning of a poem. Hmm. And then she writes back. And so we're doing this poetry together. That's a back and forth stream of consciousness that's really beautiful. And so this one's called Beyond the Veil. All right. Just beyond the thin veil, I imagine our embrace, a tickling sensation beneath my skin. I vibe with your essence. You're still here in me like a river, in my veins like a constant tide. You come in and go out and come in again. Sure and true like the light in my eyes, the thrumming of my heart, subtle, quiet. I try not to take you for granted. I will be your shore and let the waves of your presence touch in. I will let your love wash over me. I will carry the light of you so others can see your grace. Wherever you are isn't far. I close my eyes and find you within, just beyond a thin veil. I imagine our embrace. Wow, that is very nice, thank you. I have, mm-hmm. I have to say, I'm not really into poetry, but that was beautiful. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me read it. Despite. Yeah, no, that was beautiful. Thanks. I think it's a great way to, to end. Um, mm-hmm. I, I want to say, you know, again, thank you for being here. Thank you for sharing yourself, your story, uh, for sharing your music. And uh, I hope, I'm, I'm sure that this uh, episode will help some people. Mm-hmm. Appreciate that. Absolutely. I'm so grateful. Thank you for responding back. Yeah. to my Facebook request. And yeah, sure. It's been so great to chat with you. Yeah, it's been great talking to you. I'll see you soon. Okay, Brian. And now here's a little bonus. Diana has graciously allowed me to include one of the tracks from her album at the end of this episode. So I'm going to include the track Six Feet Under because I think it beautifully expresses the message of grief to growth, which is that we are planted, not buried. So I hope you enjoyed the song. If you do, make sure you go over to www.beautifulsaggrief and pick up the album. Changed a starless sky.
listening this has been your host brian smith with another episode of grief to growth i am a life coach and a grief partner if you're interested in my services please go over to www.grieftogrowth.com it's www.grief the number two growth.com and there you can sign up for a free half hour consultation if you're interested also please leave me a review on itunes that helps more people find the podcast and gets me out to a wider audience And lastly, if you'd like to support me financially, I do have a Patreon page. So it's www.patreon, that's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash grief, the number two, growth.com. If you support me on Patreon, you get access to bonus materials, which I'll be putting out on a regular basis. Thanks a lot. Hope you have a wonderful day. Hey there, if you like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you liked. If you didn't like this episode, come on over and talk about it. Let me know what you didn't like. Go to grieftogrowth.com slash community and look for talk about the podcast. I'll see you there.